0: You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, I'm Lawrence Coletti, the producer for Legal Talk Network. Welcome to another edition of Special Reports. Today's show is being recorded on location during ABA's Law Practice Division fall meeting at the U.S. Grant Hotel in San Diego, California. We're here to cover this event and its highlights and other events for you, our listeners. Joining me now is Ms. Cheryl Nero. She is uh, the Senior Strategy Advisor to the Executive Director of the ABA. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Happy to do it.
0: Oh, no, thank you for joining us. And uh, before we get started, I wanted to ask a few questions about your professional career. Sure. And I think I want to start with um, what you're currently doing right now.
1: I am, as you said, the Strategy Advisor to the Executive Director, which is a new position Uh, that came as a result of having spent three years on the Board of Governors. I represented Illinois and Ohio on the board for the three previous years and was engaged in strategic planning and looking at the future of the association and was very concerned that the work I had started on the Board of Governors was going to continue. And I couldn't figure out a way to do it better than leaving the membership and the volunteer leader side and going over and joining the executive director and continuing the work, hopefully making strategic decisions that will help the American Bar Association be a vital and uh, robust, healthy organization in the decades to come.
0: Okay, and to help our listeners get to know you a little bit better, how about your practice, your legal practice? Where did you start there?
1: Well, I've had uh, many fascinating stops in my career path that some would describe as somewhat circuitous but I think sometimes it's it's somewhat typical of a woman in my generation who has um, leapt I think at interesting opportunities to broaden my exposure to a lot of different types of practice. I've been a sole practitioner I was with a large firm. in fact my first stop was a very large firm. In Chicago, I've been in government service as counsel to the Attorney General of Illinois, and I've done um, public education about the law and created not-for-profits about the law, and uh, served as the second woman president of the Illinois State Bar Association. I, within the last five years, started the Illinois Supreme Court's Professionalism Commission, and. Um, now, after uh, forming an ethics and professionalism consulting firm, I am the senior strategy advisor at the ABA. Well, it
0: sounds very busy and very well rounded.
1: It has been a marvelous journey and always something new and challenging to do in the law. And um, it's, one, it's my passion, and I've always enjoyed my opportunities as they've appeared to me to do things that stretched my training, my skills, and um, took me in new directions.
0: Great, great. Well, now, we have the uh, Women's Rainmakers uh, Board is uh, meeting, having a special uh, event. It's called the ABA Women Rainmakers Mid-Career Workshop. And you're doing two sessions, negotiation training sessions here. And uh, there's two of them tomorrow, as I understand. Yes. Okay. Um, Could you tell our audience a little bit about that?
1: Well, you know, it's, um, it's interesting that not a lot of law school curricula includes real in-depth negotiation skills building for law students. It's something that many lawyers do, and in fact, many people do all day long, and yet uh, we don't have uh, very well-institutionalized training on how to do it effectively. I felt for many years that I might have some sort of problem that I never found myself in really protracted, long litigation when I was the lead attorney. Somehow I was a failure um, in not getting into the courtroom on, on, on every uh, representation that I took on. I later realized that I was able to get my clients everything they wanted without having to resort to the litigious route, and I went off to Harvard Law School and trained with Roger Fisher, taking his negotiation training in the program of instruction for lawyers and actually teaching with Roger. And, and for first, the benefit of
0: our audience, what what is his book called?
1: Oh, his book is, his series of books begins with the first book, which was Getting to Yes. Okay. And he built the Harvard Negotiation Program, which lives on today, and there have been getting past no and getting it done and dealing with difficult people and difficult conversations. But it all stems from really important game theory applications done by the Kennedy School and 30 years of research in the Harvard Negotiation Project, where a negotiation is literally dissected, the parts are analyzed, and skills training is based. Based on mastery of those elements and how we confront difficult situations and negotiate solutions that can be custom designed rather than the product of juries and judges and very often the limitations of what's available in a trial court.
0: That's fantastic. Now, being that this is the ABA Women Rainmakers Mid-Career Workshop, is there a special emphasis of your uh, sessions that are designed specifically for women?
1: Absolutely. Um, one of the things that um, has become apparent, even with the huge numbers of women going to law school, for quite some years there have been over 50% in some law schools. of uh, uh, Graduating classes of women have the majority. And yet, we still make two-thirds to three-quarters of what men make. And a lot of that is because of dynamics in negotiating and um, confidence and mastery of uh, dealing with difficult conversations that a lot of women are either reluctant to use um, because they are burdened by a lot of unwarranted expectations of uh, the consequences of speaking out on their own behalf. Um, I find that women are extraordinary in obtaining for their client through negotiation exactly what their client wants and needs, but in representing themselves um, suffer from some of these gender-related issues, which we refer to as the shadow negotiation—the negotiations that are going on at the shadow of the substance and the subject matter.
0: Okay, you know this is interesting. Uh, so I, I'd like to elaborate a little bit on some of those challenges right there, uh, where women are having a difficulty negotiating for themselves. What do you, what are some of the typical issues or the typical challenges that go along with that?
1: Well, I think. Um, One of the most obvious, and of course, when we talk about this, let's not forget that this is not totally gender-based. I am sure that there are men who suffer from the same kinds of struggles in representing themselves and do far better for their clients than they can do for themselves, Um, and there are women who are extraordinary. But what the data tends to demonstrate is that um, women have to juggle a lot more in a situation where they feel that being too aggressive on their own behalf might trigger all sorts of negative reactions. We've all heard of those contrasts, that a man can successfully be aggressive and be rewarded for it, whereas a woman is uh, punished or um, they lose their effectiveness in some environments if they're perceived to be too harsh or too strident. So that's, that's part of what happens. Um, but there's also just all sorts of implicit bias that we don't even know we possess that walks into the room with the problem to be resolved and um, affects uh, the outcomes. It just hangs there like a cloud that sometimes prevent us from being effective communicators and therefore being less than successful um, in coming out with the outcome that we think is appropriate or deserved
0: okay what are some of the methods you're using to help uh, overcome some of these obstacles
1: well uh, some of the the great rules that we all can benefit from regardless of gender is to remember that problems are generally problems uh, difficulties are difficulties. They exist beyond the people involved in them. And so, one of the biggest and most successful rules about negotiation is to separate the people from the problem. It isn't very often actually the person. Even though we say, boy, working for Bob, boy, he's impossible, he's a real problem. No, actually, the environment and the work you have to do and the challenges that confront you are really going to be there whether it's Bob or not. And so separating the people from the problem is a very important uh, skill to, to master. The other is to constantly be looking at it objectively, to try to look for sources of information that can put some sort of acceptable standard on the table so that there's a framework of what is reasonable under the circumstances. Um, another is to look for opportunities where you can invent outcomes that are beneficial to both parties. I Options like that. for mutual
0: gain. I like that last option. I remember uh, when I took uh, ADR in uh, law school and one of my, uh, and also took it as part of my MBA. Mm-hmm. And so one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite examples used was a little case study we did and i cannot remember the origin but basically it was two companies that were trying to get the same oranges and so the companies battled and battled about it and then finally someone came up with the idea of asking why do you want these oranges and so as it turns out one company wanted the pulp and the other company wanted the peels and so there's no conflict anymore and so i, I like that aspect of uh, coming out with the mutual advantage and i think it also helps sort of uh, Disarm the parties. And I I definitely uh, think that when you get attorneys involved and the way that we're wired or rewired, I should say, in law school is that once you become adverse, you become very adverse. And I thought that was one of the refreshing things in our ADR class was to try to work through those uh, obstacles, not trying to always win, try to win for your client, not win because you want to win, but get the right solution for everybody if you can.
1: Yeah. Well, you know that that goes hand in hand with some of the other principles of good negotiation skills. Um, And they they come largely from common sense. And yet, we very often are so disarmed by the notion of conflict that we don't realize conflict can be a really helpful thing. Um, Conflict forces us to come up with new and creative solutions. Conflict allows us to clear the air and start off in a better footing on relationships. There's a lot to be said about how good conflict is and need being the the thing that fuels invention. So part of uh, being an effective negotiator and problem solver is to not be put off by the fact that I don't want to discuss a problem. I would like to ignore it and hope that it goes away. Right. Uh, so yes, and, and the orange example is, is um, a good one. The other thing that I think happens is that we get so positional in our bargaining and we go out publicly. I think many of the public disputes that we have, um, often people get pushed to the extremes in public statements so that they've effectively canceled any middle ground. I I recall not that many years ago when the baseball players who are, you know, usually millionaires, were having a labor dispute with the billionaire owners of baseball teams. And the the country could have cared less. Who won that? Um, The players wanted more money. The owners didn't want them to have it. They made public statements about, if you don't give us more money, we're not going to play baseball. And the owners said, basically, fine, you're not getting any more money. What do you do with that? You can't negotiate an outcome. You... um, I think it crippled baseball for a good long time. I think I,
0: I think I remember strike.
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember strike. And historically, strikes are usually settled for worse terms than were on the table before the strike started. Yeah. So you know, there's not a there's there's not a lot to be said about being positional and walking away thinking that you're going to get something better. In fact, history shows that. That generally doesn't work, but um, to get to, to get back to the women in negotiation, which is what I am going to talk about tomorrow. What I'm hoping to do is um, high uh, raise the confidence that you can have conversations that you think are going to be difficult and painful, and they won't be difficult and painful. If you walk in prepared, if you've done an adequate analysis, and you can speak your mind, and you can be open to possibilities that maybe you haven't thought of, that you can invite information from the person you're negotiating with to actually hear where there might be some common ground to build on, and to do it um, with the understanding that um, cooperation and collaboration is always possible. Um, And if there isn't any better reason to do it, um, the reason to build common ground is that you have to work with this person or you have to be their next-door neighbor or you have to um, carpool with their kids. or You know, there's always something that causes... Um, even the most reluctant negotiators to sit down and work through it, we're all on the planet together and we all have to find a way to live peacefully with each other.
0: Well, I'd like to uh, I'd like to kind of uh, touch again on something that you mentioned, which I liked. I liked uh, your advice as far as when you come up with the problem and there's going to be conflict to separate the person on the opposite side of the table from the problem. I think that is a wonderful perspective and it's certainly one that I think... In my negotiations, it served me pretty well. Like this problem is what it is, Mm -hmm. and there's a person over there doing a job just like Mm -hmm. I'm doing a job, and so I do think that there is a tendency for people to take that personally. And so I have an innocent question to ask you, and it's because it's the AVA Women Rainmakers Mid Career Workshop. So I'm asking this out of pure innocence. Do you think that do you think women have a more difficult time than men separating the person from the problem when it comes to negotiations?
1: I I would think there's literally no data that would support that conclusion. I think that there are numbers of studies that would suggest that, in a general way, women have different styles than men. And, um, of course, we all know that that's not true to the person, but classification, I, you know, across the board, you know, we have different styles. For example, when when a woman gets a an award for achieving something, I've never been in a room where a woman doesn't say, "I'll accept this award," but I wouldn't be able to accept this award but for the support and the encouragement and the mentoring and the accomplishments of all these other people, and. And very often, men thank their wife and their family and know that they deserve it. And um, it's almost equally um, stereotypical that we would assume women are going to come across with a more emotional response to a conflict when indeed it is to a person almost impossible to generalize any more than you can about what the male acceptance speech is going to include for an award. So we we all have our own style. I think that emotions are an important part of a negotiation. And in fact, um, you have to consider... The quality of the relationship, the history of the relationship, because it affects your ability to trust what the other person is saying, to know that your communication is actually, you're actually saying what you mean to say and the other person is hearing what you're saying, um, is all about relationship and all about communication and all about um, you know what role feeling is playing in the way you communicate what you're trying to accomplish as a result of the negotiation.
0: Fantastic. Well, I think that's a wonderful place to leave us here, and uh, I think that uh, you know, our audience will get a lot out of this. I think the wonderful, uh, wonderful advice in negotiations and uh, getting through those difficult times, and, you know, I think as attorneys, we need to remember that you know when we negotiate, we really do, and I think it's wonderful advice, separate ourselves from those problems on the other side of the table and, and our own, because in the end, we're representing a client, and their interests come paramount, and we need to make sure that we give them the best solution that we can. Absolutely. Well, it looks like we've reached the end of our time today, and I, I definitely want to thank uh, Ms. Cheryl Nero for joining us today. And if our listeners want to get in touch with you, to ask you some more questions, especially about uh, your negotiation uh, training sessions, how can they get a hold of you?
1: Probably the best way is at the American Bar Association, where my email address is Cheryl.Nero at AmericanBar.org, or my direct line at the office 312-988-5296.
0: Well, this has been another edition of Special Reports. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Until next time, thank you for listening.